0: Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values.
1: All right, all right, buckle up now and get ready. If, you're, if you are a parent who likes your children, if you're a grandparent and you like your grandchildren, yes. even remotely, you don't even have to like, like, love them. Like, you <laughs> just, just like them. If you're fond of these kids, <laughs> if you just like, oh, they're okay. Like this is the episode for you yes. uh, because this will probably help them more than about anything else that you're going to hear probably this day or this week. I'm so excited for this segment. Um, we have the founder of the Tuttle Twins series and shows. I could go on and on and on about this as a as a grandparent. I wish he's around when our kids were yes. were first grown up. He's the founder and president of the Libertas Institute, Mr. Connor Boyack. Yay! Hey
2: guys, thanks for having me.
0: Welcome back. We love doing these shows with you and our audience loves it. Uh, you know, you have a newsletter that goes out. Tell people how they can get on your newsletter because um, that's really big. We get this newsletter regularly and I ask, actually some of the questions are going to come from the newsletter today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our newsletter is actually for our customers. So anytime someone's buying something from TuttleTwins.com, not only are they going to get you know the books or the curriculum or whatever they buy, but they're going to start getting you know once or twice a week Messages for me about what's going on in the world, because what we've heard so often from parents is that uh, they don't quite understand how to talk to their kids about this stuff, and they, they don't feel confident in their own understanding. That's why they get the books, and the books are awesome to teach principles and history and so forth. But then a lot of current events happen. A lot of things are happening in our world today that parents are still trying to work through. And how do we have conversations about Mm -hmm. this? So the idea with the email to our customers is once you read the books, hey, let's continue to talk about some of the stuff that's going on and how we can process it. It's actually I a valuable
1: it. email. It's not it like is. the junk you get from Kohl's or, you know, something like that. It's like, it actually is helpful. Yes. You know, if you open them up and look at them, I mean, it, it's, it's stuff that you can use and everything at your, at your website, you can go to flyovertwins.com. And, uh, because of our partnership, you guys give them, you're always doing specials, which is mm-hmm. great, That's right. but stacked on top mm-hmm. of the specials and discounts, you get more discounts when you go to flyovertwins.com. But we want to kind of go back to that newsletter a, a bit because yeah. there were some pretty, Eye-opening. Like, I'll say eye-opening. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, good, a good way to put it. Yeah, and
0: that's why I think David started the whole thing with, if you love your kids, if you love your, your grandchildren, we need to be aware what's actually going on in their minds. And in the newsletter you sent out, uh, you were showing a Google search of what, what kids are doing, and it says, school makes me, and then it said depressed. School makes me feel worthless. These are all Google searches. Uh, school makes me tired. School makes me feel empty. School makes me feel stressed. Uh, I want to cry. School makes me want to cry. School makes makes me feel trapped. And you had in your newsletter, you said, these responses are the raw sentiments of today's kids. Their most commonly searched terms, the results of our sons and daughters taking to the internet in the hopes of finding answers to their overwhelming feelings of sadness, emptiness, and worthlessness. You also pointed out on TikTok, which is obviously a, a place that a lot of our kids are going, uh, that the biggest searches, videos containing "so uh, school makes me depressed, um, had 4.5 million views. And then videos containing School Makes Me Anxious had 8.7 million views. And the question you left us with is, what are our kids um, telling us and are we listening? Are
1: we listening?
2: Well, I I think too few of us are listening. And I I reflect and I ponder on like, why is this happening? Why are kids feeling this way? And I think there's a a lot of things we could uh, point out, you know, we could talk about the rise in social media and the kind of you know, grass is greener mentality where everyone's trying to like project and show how amazing their life is and kids find it hard to keep up with that. We talk about the breakdown in the family and marriage Mm -hmm. and, you know, fatherless household. Like there's so many things that we could point to. Um, But I think one of the biggest things is the structure and nature of the modern school system uh, itself. And I could, we could talk a long time about this. I'll be very kind of simple with uh, one example of many I could share. Um, There are two fundamentally different ways to learn. Now, we as humans, ad- as adults especially, we learn using what's called uh, – primarily learn using what's called a just-in-time model. So let's say your refrigerator breaks down, right? You don't think to yourself, gee, I'm glad I read the manual cover to cover 15 <laughs> years ago for such a time as this, right? No, just-in-time for when you need the information, you pull up a YouTube video, you read the manual, yep. you figure it out sure. and you move on, away, right? Um, and over and over again, this is how it works. I have a problem or I have a desire. You know, let me go learn and find that information I need to continue on my path. School, by contrast, modern schooling is completely inverted. It is artificial. It is unnatural because children are not allowed to proceed on their own path of life with this just-in-time learning. They're not trained of like how to find information when you need it and how to be a good kind of researcher and how to how to gather uh, the stuff that you need. No, mm-hmm. they are not taught with a just-in-time yeah. model. They are all taught through a just in case model. So this is why we all know that the mitochondrion is the powerhouse of the cell, because we were all crammed with that information, mm-hmm. you know, 18 years ago, just in case you became a biologist. Or hey, you now got to memorize the quadratic equation just because yeah. in case yep. you become a physicist in the future. And so it's this concept where we have to bombard kids with so much information without context, without personal meaning without honoring their individuality and what their curiosities are. Instead, we treat them all the same. We conform them to a system rather than adapting a system to their unique God-given you know, path and talents. And so, of course, when we dishonor someone's nature, when we don't treat them as an individual, they're going to become depressed. They're mm-hmm. going to feel like, why am I having to conform with this system? Few of them can articulate that. They're not going to you know, consciously know that that's what's going on. But as I reflect on the aggregate kind of impact in our society about how we educate kids, how we school them, I just feel like it's totally unnatural. It dishonors their individuality. It su- subjects them to this collectivist mindset, which is why so many millennials now support socialism. And to me, it is the, it's what Henry David Thoreau talked about. For every thousand people hacking at the branches of, of evil, there is only one striking at the root. And I think how we educate the children in our society is a root cause that has so many downstream effects in our society. So we can go hack at the branches Mm -hmm. and pass these laws and file these lawsuits and all these things, which is important. And I do a lot of that too through our our Libertas Institute. It's not that it's unimportant, but we have to be focused on the root because when we're not, it's it's that graphic that you showed Mm -hmm. earlier. The outcome of this is that the kids are suffering and we have societal breakdown that is going to have a whole host of problems that we got to deal with in the future.
0: You know, it's interesting you, you say that because my grandma, she's still alive. She's 101 and, um, you know, wow. doing great in life. She still drives. She has a garden, you know, lives on her own. She's doing great. But when I sit down with my grandma and I talk through her education when she was growing up, it didn't change much from when I was going to school and it hasn't changed much from where it is today. And you look at that and think with everything that's changed in our world, how could they not have changed the education system to fit the times?
2: Well, a, a fun little historical factoid to support this point: uh, public schools. Oh, what there we she all is. One hundred one. Oh, she has, a, she, has, she, has a, she has
1: a huge garden. She's ornery. She'll tell you she's done more today than you have probably, and uh, and uh, jab at you. So that's, that's another secret that to long is, life, too.
2: Yeah, that is awesome. She looks great. Yeah. Uh, so what we what we call today uh, public schools, I call them government schools because that's really what they are. But we all call them public schools. For decades, you know, about uh, almost a century ago, they were called factory schools because they were widely recognized in two things. Number one, to be modeled themselves as a factory, like a conveyor belt with, mm-hmm. you know, widgets and you got to take in and conform the raw material all in the same way at the same time. And so the nature of the school system itself was factory like, but that's because of the second thing. And that was these schools were designed this way to pump out good factory workers the economy at the time was largely assembly line with the rise of the uh, industrial era and everything and so these schools were based uh, if we go back a little bit more they were based off of the prussian uh like this proto germany they had this very militaristic country and they wanted to raise their children and train their children to be good soldiers and submissive citizens and so they mm-hmm. built the school model that would produce that outcome Well, all the early American education pioneers looked at Prussia with with glee and said, we need to import that here. And then, of course, with all the factories in the economy, they're like, this is going to be great, not just to train good soldiers and submissive citizens, but good factory workers. So you're exactly right that these factory schools that were modeled for an economy that largely no longer exists um, or hardly at all. Uh, yet we still school Mm -hmm. kids the same way. And we're not teaching them critical thinking. We're not teaching them creativity. We're not teaching them how to be dynamic and learn things from different sources and adapt because you know the economy is changing all the time and and so forth. We're not equipping kids for today. We're training them for a world that no longer exists. That sounds pretty depressing to me. Mm
1: -hmm. And this is all just the, the actual fundamental structure of it. This doesn't introduce... Uh, the feminization of the population mm-hmm. and the things that are happening within it—that's Um, that's just the way that it's structured. And then if you go within it and say, if you're a young boy, I would think in grade school right now, you look at like what's rewarded. It's going to be much more feminine acting behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, Even even the idea—I mean, even when I was in school, man, it's always like there was a girl like Stacy who would be like a hey, student. She got her thing done. I got be, my notes. I'd, and I'd, 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 I'd be <laughs> sitting there like this, and you know what's going on. And Being I would a boy. I would be in a boy. I, you know, I'd be we had a car and I'd be messing around. But I was reading before I went to school and I would I would read voraciously right. at home. Like I I I loved learning and was a smart kid, but I never knew it. There was no evidence based on that environment because I would spend sure. recess inside, you know, in trouble, you know, getting more cranked up. And it was just such a it was a very uncomfortable place mm-hmm. to be. And I think, man, I was just like this, you know, bundle of umph mm-hmm. that was pointed towards something productive would have been a much more rewarding environment. It didn't feel like school was made for me. That's right.
2: Well, and you look at some of the most successful entrepreneurs throughout our economy today, and they all hated school. They dropped out of school at various uh, points. And so you got to wonder when these core few amazing, uh, productive people have succeeded despite that system what might happen if we alter the system to actually support people who have that type of you know mental mode or energy or whatever the people who can't kids can't sit still but they're passionate about this obsessive thing that they're going to end up launching a billion dollar company in the future about why not find ways to support them earlier on again that honors their individuality recognizes their yeah. god given talents mm-hmm. their curiosities but the system is just not built that way and so when you cause, uh, force children to subject themselves to that system and just do what they're told and memorize things because they'll be on the test. I mean, I I, I wouldn't have called it depression back then, but I was depressed as a student. I really didn't like school. I struggled Mm -hmm. with it. And I don't want that for my kids. So my message ultimately is not necessarily, hey, remove your children from government schools, although I think it's far superior to homeschool or do uh, various private schools. The message ultimately, I think, is intentionality. Like For whatever reason, even if you need or want your kids still to go to the government schools, you have to be intentional about it. You can't assume that they're going to be learning the right things. You can't assume that they'll be immune from all the trends. You can't assume that they're not going to be brainwashed into the I mean, 87% of high school teachers support Democrats. It's a very Mm -hmm. left-leaning, feminine-oriented type of system. And if you don't want your children subjected to that, you have to make sure in the home that you're counteracting that that you're teaching them true principles, that you're challenging what they learned and having discussions around around the dinner table. A lot of parents throw their hands up and say, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to do. And Mm -hmm. that is in part why the Tuttle Twins exist is to kind of be a a counter agent, if you will, where it's like, sure, your kids are learning all this stuff over here. Just make sure oh, you're reading these books, you're Mm -hmm. having these conversations, and then they're going to have a more balanced view of the world.
0: That is so good. Okay, so I just have to be honest. We, I, David told you this before we interviewed, but I'll be <laughs> honest with the flyover family as well. We interviewed G. Edward Griffin. Um, this week, he obviously, or last week, huge interview. Um, and he wrote Probably the one book, of the, smartest, the creature one of the from Jekyll Island. Heard. And you know, it's an amazing book. Uh, but David and I wanted to kind of brush up on it before the interview. So what did we do? We pulled Tuttle Twins off the shelf and we ended up reading the Tuttle Twins book, which is the creature from Jekyll Island. The
1: inflation monster.
0: This is absolutely <laughs> amazing. So it's not just for your kids. It was great. And, and, G. Edward, he would not have even known that we did oh, because I, we were just toe to toe, blow to so blow with good, him. So once, we had the tuttle,
1: once we had the Tuttle twins, you know, <laughs> da- download, download, you know, it's like the so Cliff many, notes versions. It is. There's it so is. many things like that. Again, if you're a grandparent or or uh, you know, an aunt or an uncle, or something watching these are great things that you can like. Put into someone's someone's mm-hmm. world, and like they get these ideas. And again, as a parent, you might be like, "I'm going to read this for my kids, so they get you know uh, smarter." But really, it's you, so that you exactly. can you don't have to sound like an idiot at the water cooler when you're talking to your <laughs> friends. You'd be like, "Well, it's like the creature from Jekyll Island said this and that." You know, you don't have to tell them it was a Tuttle Twin version that that you read. But you got things like the Golden Rule. Um, I love this one here. I love the video. I used to watch it uh, um, and use it in, in workshops and seminars uh, with with people that worked for us. Um, uh, the miraculous pencil, you know, it's the, the detailed process mm-hmm. of everything that goes in from the rubber and the lead and the wood and everything. What does it take to make a pencil? So when people start looking around like they should give pencils away for free or, you know, this pencil costs too much. It's like there's a lot that involves yep. many countries and regions and jobs that go into just making a pencil. And so it, it creates a good launch pad mm-hmm. for dinner time, ta- dinner time conversation, you know, with your kids in order to be intentional, to have something besides yeah. sports or you know, right. some negative story to talk about.
2: Well, and I think this matter, like we've sold, gosh, I think over 5 million uh, copies of our books now. And, and as I've like reflected on this over the years, why are these so successful? Why do families like, and, and kids like parents tell us all the time, they'll just leave, you know, they're skeptical that their kids are actually going to like the books. You know, my kid hates, read. I, I get all the time. My kid's dyslexic. My kid doesn't like reading my kid, this, that, or the other. And so the parents leave the books out on the, on the coffee table, they come in and they've already plowed through six books and they're on their seventh and mm-hmm. the parents are like, what the heck is going on here? So I've had to reflect over the years and we've had discussions as a team, talk to a lot of parents. What, what have we like tapped into that's causing all this? Cause I don't mm-hmm. know that I can really take credit for it, but what's going on here. And the best way I found to explain it is this, you've probably had large Thanksgiving dinners, right? And you've got the, the main table for all the adults, the aunts and the uncles and everybody mm-hmm. else. And you fill that table up with all the adults. And then you've got the table over here for all the kids, you know, and they're all squabbling. Yep. And and, uh, and, but what about the teenagers? They're trapped in the middle and they don't want to sit with the young kids. They want to be with the mm-hmm. adults, but there's no room at the table. You know, so it's, it's this awkward thing where they want to be yeah. part yep. of the, the adults. And all the kids want to be cool like the teenagers. So kids naturally have this desire to like be, aspire to be like a bigger kid or like an adult. Mm-hmm. And yet the educational material that we provide children too often meets them at the level that they are currently at or maybe just ahead. Whereas our books, even though the, the format of them is simplistic and fun stories and illustrations and so forth, the content is challenging. Yeah. We're talking about big things. We're talking in the in the pencil book that you talked about, David. Uh, we're talking about economic things like a term called spontaneous order i mean what six-year-old in any other world is going to learn about not just what that word means but like understanding fully how it works and helping them understand kind of the world as a result of that so the fact that we're simplifying uh, these challenging ideas, but still they're, they're pretty beefy ideas. These kids just seem to be drawn like a magnet to it, perhaps in part because they're not getting it anywhere else. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're sick of all the, the fluff. They're depressed with all the crap that they're being forced to learn. Yeah. Yep. And so then they're like, oh my gosh, this is like manna from heaven. Let me now try and you know consume as much as I can.
0: They I love it. it up. I have to ask you, Connor. So let's say that, you know, we have Flyover Family. They're watching this and they're like, I don't even know where to start. You know, obviously, they had to go to flyovertwins.com. But what's a good place for families to start? If they don't have any Tuttle Twin books, uh, what's probably the most popular or the the best place to start for them?
2: Uh, I would say this largely depends on age. What we're looking at on the screen right now, and what you guys have been showing off, are our main children's series, age roughly five to eleven. That's a bit devious because we've got younger kids who will, you know, listen along or read along uh, mm-hmm. if mom or dad is reading, and we got a lot of teenagers who read mm-hmm. these books, and to your point, adults as well. Yep. Who uh, even even though it's a lower format, it's, <laughs> the ideas are often still. <laughs> The ideas are often still new to them, right? So, but the, the target of that is five to 11. A little bit down the page, we've got a bunch of uh, books for teenagers as well. We got a fiction series. We got a nonfiction series. So, if you've got older kids, you could start there if you want. Um, and then we got some cute little fun toddler books. If you've got uh, pretty young kids, like the ABCs of Liberty those, and the, the, the Chewable one, two books. of the Bill of Rights. Yeah, the Chewable yeah. ones. So, that you can actually uh, <laughs> gnaw on those. We've got history books. It just came out with our second history book just a couple weeks ago. That's for kind of ages seven to 11 or 12. But again, I kind of hate giving out ages because we just see such a broad age range. The point is like, maybe your kid's just really interested in money. Okay, start with the Creature from the Island book and that'll be kind Mm -hmm. of the dip the toe in the water to learn about other stuff. Or if you've got an entrepreneurial kid, uh, you know, use uh, Tuttle Twins and the Spectacular Show Business. That one's all about business and how to set up a business and why entrepreneurship is important, right? Um, and, and so it just kind of depends on what their interests are, what the age of your kid is. What we're trying to do is build out enough content where no matter the age of your kid and no matter their interests, or maybe they want to watch videos instead, we've got the cartoon, or maybe, you know, you're in the car a lot, we got the podcast. We're, we're trying to provide parents with an arsenal of content so that they can be talking to their kids about Mm -hmm. these ideas, no matter their age, no matter their interest. Um, And then we can continue educating them as they get older, because to your earlier point, this is an investment in the future. And so we don't want this to be a one-off, like read a book and you're done. This very much is like, Hey, there's books, there's curriculum, there's a game, there's a cartoon. Mm -hmm. Let's let's deepen our understanding of these ideas over time. So that 20 years from now, our society can look a lot better than we think it's currently going to.
1: And It gives you a common a common language. You don't have just your 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 own parent experience, and your kid has different experiences. Like everyone in our family has seen uh, Princess Bride like probably eight hundred times, you know. And so, <laughs> so if anybody says no more rhyming, and I mean it, you know, someone's going to say, "Anybody
0: want but, a peanut?" You know, anybody like, want just, a peanut?
1: You know, I mean, it's just it, so we have this. A movie sometimes gives you a common language that both you, you right. merge you merge on. This does it as well. But again, like you said, you can be intentional. On, on what that is. I want to do one last thing real quick. Producer Colton here has two small children. We were talking before we started, like these are a big part of their world. They're three and one. Uh that that has kind of come in. I don't know if you can kind of voice over in, but but your experience with these. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well my my kids First off, they, they started on the, the Chewable books and the, the ABC's <laughs> books. And it was funny, just words that they'd start spitting out from, from the books themselves. And like, random times, I'm like, man, that's pretty good. Like, you're just learning how to talk with, you know, these, these these bigger terms. And then when the, the TV show came out, they were all yeah. about the TV show. And they, they would watch them. And I, I would love just kind of coming in as a dad and listening to the things that they were receiving without even knowing they were receiving it. But, like, if we could pull back on those principles that they were learning from the show – um. So well, and they're just starting to get to where we could read the creature from Jekyll Island. It, it took a little bit because again, she, my oldest is three. Uh. But but she she's starting to enjoy these stories mm-hmm. now, and she can picture because she's seen the cartoons as well. She could picture the, the Tuttle twins and what they look like, and um, starting to articulate some of that. So. They kind of like the grandma awesome. too, though. Yeah, yeah, love
2: the grandma, love the scooter, love, <laughs> love, 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 love <laughs> the raccoon. Everyone yeah. likes grandma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for sharing there, Colton. And Connor, thank you for everything that you're doing to get this information out there to help us, you know, with this next generation, to get them good ideas uh, that they can build on and just a great foundation. So we really appreciate it. We'll kind it. of give
1: you the last last shot here as
0: we wrap up.
2: Well, uh, again, it's a plea for intentionality. I feel like we are in a mind war we're in a war on truth and if you don't realize that your children are being sent out into this battlefield they're going to become casualties like you would never send your child to an actual war unless Mm -hmm. they were provided you know body armor and a weapon uh, knowledge of who the enemy is how they're going to attack what the rules of engagement are you would want all of that as a minimum for your child if they're sent off to some faraway land to battle we are in an ideological war today and if we don't provide our children armor and weapons and knowledge of who the enemy is and how they can attack and how we can fight back and stand for truth. If we're not intentional like that, we've already lost. We're already going to become casualties. Our kids are going to be brainwashed. They're going to turn out to be social justice warriors and hate every you know value that we stand mm-hmm. for and all these things. So again, intentionality, it really requires red pilling ourselves as adults, reading books like this, trying to understand these ideas so that we can help our kids understand them too. My whole mission. like. I'll, I'll end with this. I don't think we're going to save our country at the Capitol. Uh, I don't think we're going to save our country in the courtroom. If our country is to be saved, I think it's at the dinner table. I think it's parents yes. and kids talking together about real world ideas, developing critical thinking, being skeptical of authority, You know, cultivating uh, culture, good culture and values, yeah. connecting in the community, supporting one another. We have to rebuild social fabric in America because it's hanging by a thread. And the only way to do that is through the family. It's at the dinner table. Tuttle Twins, we're honored to be a part of that for so many families, to be of service to them and trying to just have deeper conversations and learn together.
0: I love it. Thank you again, Connor, for your time. Go to flyovertwins.com and make some purchases. You'll be glad you did. We love every one that we've purchased and so do our grandchildren. So thank you again for your time, Connor. We really appreciate it.
3: I love the Tuttle Twins books. They are taking so many things that I want to teach my kids and putting them in these fun stories. My name's Jen, and my sister introduced me to the Tuttle Twins books about a year ago. I just bought the set on a whim, and I'm so glad that I did. It's kind of a crazy world we live in right now. I feel like our education system has been very dumbed down. They've taken a lot of um, patriotic, you know, curriculum out, and so, and, and they're putting kind of progressive things in that parents do not agree with. Society today teaches kids to be lazy, to rely on the government. I think as a parent, we should all be teaching kids that they need to work hard. My eight year old son, he loves these books. He came up to me the other day, he said, mom, can we read Spectacular Show Business? I said, okay, so we read through it. And it's all about being an entrepreneur. And when we were done, he said, mom, I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm gonna make a lemonade stand. I'm gonna go save up money. I'm gonna buy this, I'm gonna buy this, and we talked all about it. He was so excited and I said, oh, I love this. The Tuttle Twins books are a really great way to help teach your kids to remember how great their country is and that this is a place where they can be free, they can be an entrepreneur. They learn these, these wonderful lessons of how our government actually works and Um, why we pay taxes for things and how there are actually bad laws and how we can work to change them. The Tudor books have been huge in my family. You know, being a conservative parent, I am so happy we found these books. Parents, don't wait. You need to get these books and read them with your kids.
0: He has not fallen off the throne, he's not nervous, he's not chewing his nails, he is in control, he has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. What a great time to be alive, and I'm so excited for you to join me every Wednesday at 1111. Have
1: you ever wondered about ancient civilizations or the moon landing, chemtrails, the Nephilim, demons? Those are all things that fascinate me
0: enjoyed this episode of the flyover conservatives podcast with david and stacey Wyden. please subscribe hit the notification bell and leave us a comment below lastly if you enjoyed today's podcast share with those who came to mind be blessed and make it a great day